0: You're listening to The Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics.
1: And welcome to another edition of The Domecast, our weekly look back and ahead on all things in North Carolina government and politics. I'm Andy Curlis with The News and Observer. We thank you for listening. We've upgraded our microphones so if you hear me i feel like i have a like i'm a hostage or something i'm trying to figure out the new uh, gear uh here and um you know we we want to jump right into the the budget is the big story of the uh, day of the week of the month and of course um, everyone says we are closing in on a deal and that is something we have heard before. So before we go any further, we wanted to compile uh, a little, we'll call it a, a budget remix. And so this uh, picks it up from uh, early on in the session. As you all know, the uh, budget did not come in on time July 1st. There, we are now on our third continuing resolution. And so let's take a listen, and then we'll come back and talk about the state budget.
2: June 29th and 30th. And finally, uh, we set a date of August 14th, which means we've got to go to work, and hopefully we'll conclude this process by then and have a budget. We believe this is a clean, continuing resolution uh, that neither advantages nor disadvantages either chamber and their various positions and, of course, keeps our government running and moving forward.
3: We certainly hope going forward we can always think about not being on the deadline at the last minute. Um, I know the natural tendency will
2: be that we'll be voting on this on August 14th, but for a lot of people's sake, I hope we will move expeditions and try to get it wrapped up a lot sooner than that.
4: August 12th. Uh,
2: I guess I could say that, you know, we're closer than we were, but we're still not quite there yet. What it does is extends it
3: until August 31st, 2015. I can't vote for this. I mean, they sent us a continuing resolution a couple of weeks ago, and it's no different from the one they sent us today. Just a different date. I don't want to extend it. It looks like we're playing games, and there are games being played. But we've got to have a plan to get the thing finished. And if it takes two weeks, Well, by gracious, it takes two weeks. Our inaction has created
5: instability in schools across the state. And frankly, I can't help but thinking that if Democrats were in charge right now, the majority party would be lined up ten feet deep, calling us irresponsible.
2: When I was here for the first four terms, three of which we were delayed, and that was when your party, the Democrat party, was the one in charge. And I think I remember, oh, I don't even think one time did we ever get a budget in on time. If it was wrong then, it's still wrong. I know sometimes it looks like there's not anybody doing any talking, but I can assure you all week there's been a lot of discussion. August 27th. Uh, this uh, session has been a little longer uh, than probably any of us here would prefer than it has been. But it's been because we've had a lot of significant issues we've dealt with. Uh, as outlined in some of the previous uh, CRs, and of course we, we passed one uh, today, hopefully be the last one that we pass if, if things work well. The time that we've spent these last few months has not been out playing backgammon or doing anything else. Uh, we understand that a lot of people are frustrated, and and believe me, when uh, when you're an appropriations chair, it gets very frustrating for us as well. But uh, I think finally things have begun to break, and this process is moving, uh, I think, at a good pace at this point. If you think about it, it's no easy task to be dealing with a you know twenty with twenty one billion dollars of the taxpayers' money but we would anticipate uh, hopefully a successful conclusion to all of those elements uh, before the end of the um, next uh, CR. Uh, Hopefully we'll have this uh, put together in the next week or two, and uh, we'll have a budget, and I think the plan is to have this budget done uh, uh, a few days before the 18th. September 1st. As governor, what I'm attempting to do is facilitate those differences between the House and the Senate, and we've got a continuing uh, resolution until uh, mid-September, and I'm confident that we'll have a budget between now and then.
6: September 2nd.
2: Uh, members, for your planning purposes, uh, there will be no recorded votes tomorrow. There will be no recorded votes on Monday. Uh, however, those members who are working on the budget uh, should plan to uh, see what Raleigh's like on the weekend.
0: Were you quoted yesterday as saying we might need a fourth CR? I said we might. Could you explain?
3: Well, things are moving. A very slow snail's pace. And you feel we might need a fourth. I think we might need one more. That's the way I see it.
1: And so, <laughs> there you heard uh, that at the end was our own uh, Ben Brown of the Insider uh, talking with Senator Jerry Tillman. So a lot of optimism. I'm joined now by Patrick Gannon of the Insider and Colin Campbell of the News and Observer. Uh, You guys spent a lot of time down there. Is it always that sunny? The budget is just around the corner. Pat Gannon.
7: Well, as you heard in that little mashup, um, there's always some optimism and there's always some pessimism. I think the longer we go, the more it gets a little uh, pessimistic. Although this week, it does really seem like we have some movement. Uh, We heard today, today's Thursday as we're recording this, um, that uh, there should be some sort of uh, budget document sometime next week. Uh, the House Rules Chairman David Lewis said it could come as early as Wednesday uh, of next week, so two days after Labor Day, and then it's got to sit for a couple days uh, per the House rules. Um, so, I mean, that would put the first votes on the budget probably the very end of next week or, uh, the f- or sometime the following week, which would uh, beat this deadline for the next continuing, or for this continuing resolution, which is the 18th of August. So, Sounds like we might get there, but you you heard the uh the the mashup that Ben Brown put together.
1: Colin Campbell, uh you've been close to it. There have been some uh, back and forth on this that has uh come forward, you know, publicly. Sometimes a lot of this is handled behind the scenes and it all just pops out at once. Uh bring us up to speed a little flavor, the looks like there might be some agreement on teaching teacher assistance, uh, driver's ed, uh uh, help us understand where some of the negotiating is really focused.
5: Well, that seems to be the the big issue this week uh, was teacher assistance and driver's ed. The Senate started off the week um, making an offer uh, to the House that uh, they'll agree to the House's position that we, we continue to fund driver's ed the way we did last year. We continue to fund the teacher assistance like last year. We don't cut 5,000 of them in order to, to hire classroom teachers and reduce class sizes. Uh, but there was a, a condition on that was that the um, school districts would not be allowed to divert that teacher assistant money to hire more teachers or to use to other purposes. And there was also some uh, concessions required that uh, a few other spending programs that uh, had been in the House budget would have to come out. And the, the remaining, I think, about 20 or $50 million would have to uh, be entirely the Senate's discretion. And so that, that seemed to have dragged on throughout the week where the House, e- even today, did not seem like they were uh, completely on board with this compromise agreement on these things. I was talking to Representative Chuck McGrady earlier today, and he said that's sort of one of these speed bumps they keep hitting when they they start uh, progressing. But, you know, looking back at the uh, clip we heard earlier, you know, it really does feel like Groundhog Day sometimes, like your Bill Murray covering the budget, because every single day, uh, you know, the reporters get over there. There have been these private negotiations, so we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, but we all troop up to Representative Nelson Dollar and Senator Harry Brown, who are the lead negotiators, ask them the same questions we asked them 20 24 hours ago often get the same answers Um, and slowly but surely we get this drip drip of information and uh, can begin to make a picture of what the final budget's going to look like but we're
1: we're not quite there yet very good pat gannon tell me uh you know there are there is a feeling this time around when something seems to be agreed to a handshake somebody runs out to leak it or make sure it gets out into the public almost to lock it down and then somebody on the other side is walking it back we saw that uh senator berger issued a statement one day the house has backed off of you know both sides are sort of uh what what help me understand here is Uh, that
7: it's hard for us to really understand what's going on it's clear there's some gamesmanship going on you know that when uh what was it colin help me out here the the senate was it the House or Senate that that leaked some major information this week? I'm trying to I'm trying to recall. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
5: yeah, well, it was uh, the the House uh, one uh, one of the uh, lower level negotiators, Brian Holloway, was the one who fleshed out that whole uh, drivers ed teaching assistance deal to me. I hadn't been able to get a whole lot of information out of the the higher up budget folks, but he explained the entire deal that had been offered by the Senate. Uh, and then you saw you know the NC Association of Educators and some other people jump on board that which I think sort of forced the House's hand a little bit. Um, but even earlier this week, you know, we saw, I guess it was uh, Wednesday, when um, Senator Harry Brown mentioned that they'd reached agreement on DMV fees. Two hours later, we get a statement from Senator Berger saying, well, not so fast. The DMV fees are contingent on tax cuts elsewhere in the budget. It's
7: like uh, in, in the world of sports, right before a trade deadline, you never, you never, you know, there's reports everywhere from unnamed sources and stuff like that, and you can never really believe them until the final deal is done. So, I mean, we're hearing a lot of things, but we're not going to know for sure what's true until until we see that document.
1: Very good. And, of course, a lot of people are watching this. There are uh, paychecks, uh, you know, in the balance, a lot of money on the table. So, uh, we, we should be close to seeing an actual written document uh, by uh, the end of the coming week. So, we will look for that. Let's take a break, and we will be back in a moment.
0: Have you checked out the newly designed News and Observer this week? You'll see changes that make all of our products more visually appealing while giving you in-depth coverage and new ways of storytelling. Visit new.newsobserver.com to learn more about the new ways for your news day. As a listener to the Domecast, we have a special offer for you. You can receive the News and Observer Digital Edition for only 99 cents for four weeks. This includes unlimited access to NewsObserver.com, mobile, iPad apps, and the print replica e-edition. Just head over to NewsObserver.com, click subscribe at the top of the page, and enter the promo code DOMECAST to receive this special offer.
1: And welcome back to the Domecast. We're joined now by uh, Lynn Bonner of the News and Observer and Kern Huey of the News and Observer, uh, who both were covering uh, an important story this week, the release of uh, school letter grades. Embedded in that is a new round of test scores. And, of course, uh, measurements of growth, how the students are doing from year to year. This has a lot of attention of lawmakers, uh, of the state government uh, in general, of parents. And so, Lynn Bonner, bring us up to speed. Um, what did we learn this week uh, about the schools and how they're uh, faring?
6: Well, what we learned is not much changed from last year. Um, Scores were up slightly for science in middle and, uh, elementary school, uh, up a little bit in math, but largely down for reading, um, throughout elementary, middle and high school. So the big question is why aren't scores moving up? Um, you know, the state had a big change in the way in, in education standards and tests a few years ago. And, uh, the state superintendent says it's gonna be a few more years before we start to see um, any appreciable gains in uh, student achievement uh, or student proficiency Um, one curious thing in the past few years even as scores have dropped the state has always promoted well look at growth look how much students are learning year by year uh, despite the uh, drop in proficiency numbers but this year even growth has slipped back. So there's a question about what's happening. Unusual, and again, um, you know, this is the second year that the state has uh, assigned letter grades to schools, and we saw again this year that preponderance of the lower grades, Ds, and Fs go to schools with the highest poverty. So there's a question, okay, what? how does the state address this if they're going to address it? Um, So a lot of questions opened up by uh, this latest round of figures, um, how to improve for low-performing schools and overall.
1: Kern, uh, Huey, you spend a lot of time uh, paying attention to the Wake County school system, the largest in the state. Um, Tell us, you know, what are folks there saying about this data and uh, in particular this uh, this gap this you know this difference in the low-wealth uh, schools w- what are you hearing?
8: Well well, in terms of the letter grades they're basically saying don't put much stock in those grades that uh, you better look at all the ver- different measures in school rather than relying on a single letter grade but you know it, like Wake like the rest of the state they've got a problem that their high poverty schools are just lagging academically uh, they've recently started a program where they're uh, Trying to basically use a lot, mostly federal, dollars to pump additional resources into these schools, and they'll see if it works. But obviously, there no one really has found the magic bullet on any large basis. So, if Wake does it. They'll say they'll they'll basically become a national leader in it. But uh, if they if if they could solve it, then uh, it's. You think other people would have already.
1: Now, one of the things that we heard, uh, uh, and it's kind of interesting, there's a release of scores, test scores, and data. But then there was a lot of talks about graduation rates. Um, how 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 were the graduation rates, and and what can be said about those?
8: Well, the graduation rates have continued to go up. They hit eighty five over eighty five percent. So it's gone up seventeen percentage points since two thousand six. Of course. I mean, the schoolies were focusing on that because it was better than when talking about the test scores not going up, but at the same time as graduation rate's going up, SAT scores have dropped 16 points in reading and math in that same time period. I mean, SAT scores are stagnant, so it's it's definitely a mixed picture.
1: Yeah, it's a mixed uh, situation. Now, Lynn Bonner of the News and Observer, one of the the big things over the last couple of years was the effort really led out of the Senate with uh, the Senate leader, Phil Berger, to require third graders or students by by the time they're in third grade to be able to read. Um, the, do we have any insight into how that's going
6: out of this uh, data? One of the few clear bright spots in this massive release of uh, scores was that um, reading scores for fourth graders um, were up. It showed the biggest increase um and those fourth graders were the first class of students to uh go through read to achieve which said you have to for most kids they had to be reading uh on grade level by the time they left third grade so that raised the question okay is read to achieve working um and the answer was well we don't know yet they want to see more years of uh of scores and and information to know whether um you see an increase in reading after students uh, leave third grade. But it, it raises an interesting question. Something else that Read to Achieve did was say, um, if students were reading well by the end of third grade, some of them needed to go into summer schools. Um, and June Atkinson said, that's a good idea. And it's something that should go down the grades to after kindergarten, after first grade, after second grade. Um, and Phil Berger said, well, maybe that is a good idea. Uh, there's no money in the budget for it, but it's certainly something to consider because she uh, believes that um, sort of the the uh, progress that students make during the school year, some of that is lost during the long summer months, and so they have to go back and repeat. So essentially, extending the school year will help low-income students.
1: Mm-hmm. So trying really to, to keep that summer slide, if you will, from right. happening. Right. And so there you have maybe the beginnings of a public policy, you know, the superintendent saying this might be a, a way to help and the leader of the Senate saying something we'll look at. Um, and so we'll obviously have to follow that.
6: Right. Keep our eyes on.
1: It. Uh, so very good. Uh, mixed bag on a lot of this. Uh, tremendous amount of data. Much of it available at uh, Newsobserver.com. So take a look. There's individual school Uh, information you can uh, sort the data and uh, whatnot so let's uh let's take a break and we will be back with our headliners of the week
8: today my new dad and i shot off a rocket in the park
3: today my new son and i failed to shoot off a rocket
8: the rocket launched into the air
3: and then crashed into the pond
6: i'll never forget that day
3: i'll never forget
4: that day even if I tried. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of kids in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council.
1: And welcome back to the Domecast, our weekly look back and ahead, all things North Carolina, government and politics. We thank you for listening. I'm Andy Curlis with the news and observer we like to end the show as always with a favorite uh, segment we call headliners of the week we have a full cast a full panel in today we will uh, ask them to nominate someone give us an argument 45 seconds if they don't make it we'll ring the bell um, looking around for the bell don't have a bell we'll make a noise or something and uh, then anyway we'll have some fun and we'll pick a headliner of the week let's go now to craig jarvis welcome to the Domecast. thank you craig jarvis of the news and observer tell us who for this long labor day weekend who is your headliner of the
4: week well, how about Attorney General Roy Cooper? He, uh, of course, everything he does right now is laden with politics in advance of his uh, run for governor next year. But also, as Attorney General, he's got an often controversial job. And his decision last Friday not to retry the Charlotte police officer, uh, Wes Carrick, in uh, the shooting death of an unarmed uh, black man, uh, was uh, was controversial. And, and he was getting it from all sides. He... Uh, the African-American caucus of the North Carolina Democratic Party slammed him. Ken Spaulding, his uh, Democratic primary opponent, s- slammed him. The NAACP, they're all asking him to uh, retry, you know, have have some more trials, I guess, until you get the, dessert, the result you want. Uh, but uh, Cooper has to, you know, base his decisions on the evidence. And, Ding. And this was an 8-4 to deadlock. Mm, so. Yeah, so
1: Roy Cooper in the hot seat and uh he needs to get used to it because that's where he's going to be through november of 2016 assuming that he survives that primary with uh ken spawning so roy cooper wait craig hold on come back uh yeah the governor this week we haven't mentioned the governor was he what was he up to
4: uh We did see him for a little bit after some extended criticism that he has been kind of absent you know, publicly in the discussion over the budget and He did take time on Tuesday after a council of state meeting to answer a handful of questions from a few of us and uh he says he's uh instrumental in keeping them talking he's having them over for breakfast every week and uh he kind of gave himself credit for being cohesive and Uh, urging them on amid the different divisions
1: Mm, very good and of course he also commented that at some point there's just uh, some intra-chamber relations that have to be resolved there all right let's go now to uh colin campbell of the news and observer tell us who is your Headliner of the
5: week. Well, I'm going to pick uh, State Representative Greg Meyer, who's a Democrat from the Hillsborough area. He put out a blog post this week, uh, sort of putting a little political spin on the $750 bonus for state employees that's uh, part of a budget agreement between the House and the Senate. Obviously, the House had wanted a 2% raise for everybody, Senate, not so much. Uh, and Meyer says that uh, this is really sort of a political ploy uh, that it's not that they can't afford it, that they can afford it, but they want to, uh, instead of having Any raises this year be able to offer a really big raise next year because it's an election year and they want to be able to say they're uh, funding state employees well right before the election Uh, and that sort of drew some outcry from some of the uh, republicans in response but uh, certainly gets the stage set for 2016 and uh, how we court state employees on on either side of the political
1: Mm, aisle and that mm -hmm. ding, Uh, so so uh, that was kind of a curveball, too, that he threw into things here at this stage of the game, right? I mean, yeah, I mean,
5: it was all resolved last week, and then
1: he yeah. kind of throws out a blog post this week mm. to uh, draw the discussion back to that whole uh, issue of raises. Interesting. Okay, so uh, Representative Greg, Yes um, uh, Meyer. Greg Meyer, yep. Greg Not a guy Meyer. you hear from very often, yeah. but... In the, in the hat. Now, let's go to Ben Brown of The Insider. Welcome to the Domecast. Good to be here. Ben Brown, tell us who is your headliner
0: of the week. I'm going to go with another House member, uh, Billy Richardson, who is the newest member of the House. He's not entirely new, though. He uh, he served a couple terms back in the 90s, uh, 92 to 96, I believe, but he... Uh, has uh, been uh, named to the seat that was vacated by Rick Glazier, who stepped down uh, a week ago. You know, it's, it's hard to say how much uh, he's going to impact at this uh, at this stage because you know we should be kind of close to the end. And uh, House Speaker Tim Moore did point that out, but uh, he said he was glad to uh, uh,
1: have some session left to welcome him into. So I'm going to say Billy Richardson, Billy Richardson of Fayetteville, the Rick Glazier, last week's headliner of the week, right? Rick That's right. Was that? Am I right about that? Yeah. Uh did did I hear that we may have some audio of uh the new representative in the yeah, House? I, yeah, I I sat
0: down with him in his office okay. and um Let's uh, take a
1: listen to that now. That. I want to hear let's let's uh let's let's hear a little flavor of that now and then we'll be right back.
0: Sure. And to set it up really quick, uh the, the question to him was um what problems do you see or what issues do you have uh what comments in general about the budget process? And this is what he said.
3: There was a lot of respect 20 years ago, both Democrat and Republican for the committee process. I see less of that now. And because of that, I see the technical and the refinement of the bills are not nearly as good for constitutional issues, for, um, for the impact it has with other bills, other legislation, other laws. Um, things like that are going to make a big difference in the actual execution of laws. And, you know, what we have to understand is once these laws are made, the governor, who's also a Republican, has to go out and enforce these and administer these laws. And so they need to be pulled out of the budget and put through the committee process so that our attorney general and our governor and those in the executive branch can, can uh, properly enforce them and administer them and that the, that the courts can properly um, evaluate. Uh, but they don't need to be in a budget. And that, that's very concerning.
1: Ah, okay, very good. So a rare uh, uh, mid-headliner of the week uh, audio clip. So uh, let's move along now to (laughs) Pat Gannon of The Insider. Tell us, Pat Gannon, who is your headliner of the week? Uh, Ahead
7: of the Labor Day weekend, I'm going to go with barbecue. Uh, Not only did this week bring us the, uh, the launch of the North Carolina Educations Lottery new Barbecue scented scratch off ticket, which I bought one last night, and it has a very faint smell of smoky barbecue that I would never want to eat. Um, secondly, though, um, Governor McCrory uh, wagered with uh, North, uh, South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley uh, over the UNC, uh, uh, USC football game Thursday night they wagered barbecue and on 99.9 the fan yesterday they had the governor on and they asked him uh, what kind of barbecue he would send um, Nikki Haley if he if um, uh, UNC lost and the governor called them jerks and said you know I can't answer that he was joking of course Um, but he was referring back to a time in 1984 when then uh, gubernatorial candidate Rufus Edmiston was running for um governor and made some disparaging marks about barbecue that got quoted all over the place. And the history books now say that that, that his comments about North Carolina barbecue cost him that election, although he says that's not, not true. Anyway, Rufus, barbecue. Yeah, the yeah.
1: barbecue Rufus. So barbecue in the hat um as a headliner of the week. Um Wow. OK, so let's go now to Taylor Knopf. How are you? Welcome to the Domecast. Good. Thank you. Taylor, tell us who is your headliner of the week.
2: Nominating Representative David Lewis, he's leading the House on a bill to move up the presidential primary election from May to March 15th. It would leave the May primary for statewide races, creating two primaries. And Lawmakers said this will make North Carolina more relevant in the presidential election. The Senate passed it unanimously. It has bipartisan support. All that was left was a concurrence vote from the House. And then, to everyone's surprise, Representative Lewis on Wednesday made a motion not to. So he was sworn by media as he said there is a recently discovered technical error with a number of early voting days that needs fixed. And then he added that lawmakers wanted to discuss moving all the statewide races up to March 2, combining them into one date as a cost-saving measure. Democrats are skeptical and think Republicans have hidden motives, which we'll have a story on tomorrow
1: oh so maybe by the time you've read this you can find that on newsobserver.com yeah we'll uh get that story up so there's some controversy there uh an interesting story and of course that march uh date will bring uh some uh, visitors to the state uh jeb bush uh coming in the week ahead is that right yeah uh on wednesday i think september 9th yes. we'll get we'll get jeb bush in town and um so you can thank the march uh, primary uh, for that all right so is that everybody we got everybody in the hat on this uh i have to say for the labor day weekend now pat gannon uh you said that the governor who what was it was he on was that with joe obvious the it was famous with adam,
7: adam gold and and joe obvious joe it was obvious. a great okay. interview and if and hmm. i i just happened to catch it on my mm-hmm. afternoon drive time yesterday and um it's well worth listening to the governor about 12-minute interview on barbecue uh, mostly on barbecue but about other things he talks okay. about the legislature a little bit all right um and right. uh some other things
1: okay so we'll go we'll go with that then we will call for labor day weekend everybody driving to the beach or to the mountains you either way you can stop and uh in lexington or greensboro what is that Stamies in greensboro is it Yeah, um, stop in Lexington or stop in Goldsboro, get you some barbecue, and get ready for a budget. We will see you soon. We thank you for listening, and um, have a great weekend. You've been listening to The Domecast, a
0: production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at Newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.